Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where'd you come from? Paloma Lynch and I'm from Pear Street. <laughs> and Paloma, you're actually originally from Kulak. I am. Yeah. And we know each other a yeah. very long time. We do, Rebecca. And it's mad because even though you're from Kulak and I'm from Kulak, it wasn't there that we became really close. No. It was across the, oh, the Mediterranean in Cyprus yeah. that you came properly into my life. Yeah. And I just, like I said to Paul um, yesterday, I said, look, I reached out to Paloma and he said to me, oh, really? He said, how is she? And I was like, Paul, you've no idea. And as I said to you, when I seen your Instagram post, I I, I did, I got, and I got very upset when I seen you earlier on as well, yeah. because I just always wanted you just to be happy yeah. and to be strong in your life. That's all I wanted for you. And when I let you go to, you flew home from Cyprus that time in your beautiful dress and everything, you looked like a goddess flying away. And I cried, I cried because I was so worried about you and I just wanted to make sure yeah. that you were okay. Yeah. And I remember, as I said to you back then, Rebecca, you know, as I said, I, uh, I had just come out of prison and I didn't know what was wrong with me. You know, I thought Dublin was the problem. I thought where I lived was the problem. And I didn't know that the problem was deep within, you know. Um, and I, when I went to Cyprus, I was running from myself. You know, I was running, I was running for, and I was trying to fill that void, as I always talk about, you know. And um, as you know, when I got over to Cyprus and the reason that you sort of had to put me back on the plane was because, you know, like all of that madness just followed me and I didn't know why. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know I was an alcoholic. I didn't know I was an addict. I didn't know. And I was really vulnerable. Mm. I'm really lost. Like, you know, really, really lost. And, um, you know, I was just always searching for something that would fix me and something that would, you know, like um, take it away, you know, because I just thought like if if I meet the right man or if I go to the right place or if I just get this job, like it'll go and uh, none of it ever worked, like nothing worked, no matter what I done, you know. And before we get into that, because we'll talk about our time together in <laughs> Cyprus, because I really enjoyed our time together. Yeah. Um Talk to me about growing up in Kulak. What was that like? And then you yeah. said about prison. So can we have a yeah. little conversation about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, as I said to you, Rebecca, you know, like the family that I grew up in, like my, my she, my mother had like a, a four kids, and then she had this eight year gap, um, because my brother had been in an accident, and uh, she had this eight year gap, and we were like change of life babies, you know. She was she was kind of like coming into her forties, and uh, she got pregnant with me, and then a month later, I was only a month old, and she was pregnant with Janine, you know, and um. They all say in the family, you know, I was just wild, like I was just crazy. And um, Janine was lovely, like she was a real good kid and everyone would mind her. And I, I, I don't think I was allowed, there was loads of kids and all on the road that weren't allowed to play with me. I was always, you know, I used to sit on the end of the stairs shouting obscenities into the sitting room to them <laughs> and no one cursed in the house yeah. like it was real and and they just didn't know where they got me from. and I was always running away I was always telling them that I didn't belong there and I never as I said to you felt a part of anything whether it was me family whether it was you know cousins anything like that you know I never I never really felt a part of anything and like I always speak when I'm talking in like you know, the rooms, uh, which is like, you know, a 12 step fellowship. I'll always speak about, you know, um, that internal kind of hole in my soul, you know, that, you know, I, I never, ever felt a part of, and I always felt less than, you know, um, and it, 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 you know, I, I often say as well, you know, I feel like I was born with it. Now, a lot of people will, a lot of people will say you can't be born with an addiction like you can. Um, and there's a lot of people, you know, that would often cross share me when I say that. But I genuinely remember from the age of three, because I looked back on a photo in these dung greens. I remember, as I said to you, sitting on the end of the road in Kulak, looking down at me belly thinking I was fat and ugly and I was afraid like you know and Janine had the air of a supermodel like she just glided through life and I couldn't cope like I would be rocking back and forward from the age of four just wondering how am I gonna do it you know I didn't I just I didn't have those life skills that normal people have you know that kind of a way and I always kind of knew and I always felt that there was something wrong with me you you know yeah yeah and you know what the thing was like as I said I knew of you and the reason I knew of you in Kulak was your beauty like you know I knew I knew of you because of your beauty I'd see you when I was walking to Clash to do like I'd see her and I'd be like she's gorgeous do you know what I mean and that's what I knew of you and even then as I said when I took her to Cyprus and how we, we became close there and I just I was just so in love with you because you were just so kind you were so soft you were so nice and then you're absolutely gorgeous, but you never saw that. No, never, never. And um, like me, Mars from Sheriff Street and all, all of her cousins and our, uh, they all used to be in the house. And, you know, they'd be saying to me and me ma'd be saying she's no confidence. She doesn't see what we see and stuff mm. like that. And I, I never, ever did. You know, I always felt... Um, I don't know what it was. It was. I don't know whether it was like, uh, it wasn't even like insecurity. It was, I, I just seen something totally different than everybody else seen. I never, ever seen anything beautiful, you know, that way. I never seen that, you know. So sad. Yeah, it really so is. It really is. And at what point then, what was your first addiction? And at what point did you realize that you had an addiction? Yeah. So, um, 
I will just breeze into this because um, I remember me poor ma, like, you know, because she was a lot older and, and she'd never been through this before. And I remember when I got really wild and I was going really heavy into, so it would have started like with God. But I remember, Rebecca, I do say, I think there was some sort of ADD there. You know, definitely there was because I remember lying in my bed in the night and I'd be begging myself nearly not to get out of bed and there was the compulsion like that the pull was like magnetic it was not normal and next thing I know I'd be going through the field in Coolock and I'd be down at Tiffany's oh on my own going in and taking ease and stuff like that and I was only 14 like I was only 14 when I was doing all this and and I was just wild I was driven like you know really driven and it wasn't normal like it really, when I look back on it now and I look at, you know, young girls and stuff, you know, even where I live and I look and I say, do you know how, how kind of stable that they are, even although they're a little bit kind of crazy and that, but there was something amiss there, you know, and it was on one of those mad nights that I got out of bed and I went down to Tiffany's that something really traumatic happened to me. And I remember it was very shortly after that, that I started taking heroin and I do, I do always firmly believe that, you know, I remember the first time when I took it, you know, all of that stuff left me. I remember just closing my eyes and going, I couldn't wait to do it again. You know, that kind of a like, and, and I just, just, it was, it was my first thing of addiction was heroin. Definitely, you know, wanting to do it over and over again to take that away the way it took that away. Cause I just forgot about it all. For that time, you know, I just felt, and I felt a part of something. Did you? For the first time in my life, I probably felt a part of something, you know. Um, so that was that was the first thing of addiction, yeah. And how long did that go on for? Um, that went on until I hit prison, Rebecca, you know. And so I was 14 years of age when I first took it. And by the age of 15, I had be, I had met this family and I was groomed and I was mule and heroin. And um, I really got in the tick of it very fast. Um, and, and I think it was because, like what you said, I was so beautiful and I was vulnerable and I was everything that they would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Um and I was also quite, quite clever, if that makes sense. And I don't want to glorify anything like by no means, you know. Um, but I also, I also have empathy for the child that I was because when I was being sentenced in the end, like I think they lost sight of that I was a child, like, you know, um, because I was so kind of, I had grown up so fast in those few years, you know, um, and so, you know, I, I got into that, into that family and, um, by the age of 15, I think I, I think it was either, yeah, it was 15 actually, um, that I was caught with the heroin and, um, it was, I was, my 17th birthday was in November and I was sentenced to four and a half years in December. Um, and that four and a half years had like an 18 month review on it. So it meant that I had to spend the whole 18 months in the prison, you know, before the judge seen me again and he, he allowed wow. me to. Yeah. And it was like, it was, a, it was, it's called the annex. Like, okay. so it was the old jail. Like, so it was D1, D2 and D3 was St. Patrick's and the other side of the yard was St. Patrick's. So effectively it was just like Mount Joy, you know, mm. the women's version of uh, Mount Joy. 
Um, and I always remember, I'll never forget, you know, Catherine um, Comfort was her name at the time. I don't know whether it's all right to say, but she was the governor um, at the time. And I remember when I went in, because you had to see the governor when you came in and she said, we have to get this child out of here because she wasn't, I was, you know, I shouldn't, I don't know if it was like a liability, but I was also a heroin addict. So I think there was an issue with medicating me as well. Like, you know, um, so it was, and, and the ACO said to her, we can't do the review on her. So they couldn't put me anywhere. They couldn't even put me to Oberstown because of this review was to Mount Joy, you know, um, so I'll never forget it, you know. Um, I remember I was that sick and I was that thin that when I came out of the reception, you go through the reception when, you, when you're coming into the prison and they give you a shower and they give you a change of clothes and stuff like that. And um, I was walking and they went to give me the tray, you know, with your teapot and a plate and stuff like that. And I genuinely, I, I was that young that I hadn't really even been in them situations where you'd go out for dinner where you'd have to hold this tray, like, and I could hear all the women shouting, you know, all roaring and shouting. And as as bad of a life that I had been through, the, all the stuff that I had been through, I was still very fragile. Like, I was still, like, you know, kind of, I was a real nervous child, you You're know. A child. Yeah, you know, and I remember shaking, carrying the, the tray down the landing and I felt like it was just going to fall and I was going to fall, you know, but, you know, because you, you can hear all these women, you just want to get up and getting up that landing just felt like forever, you know. Um, and then I remember when when they, they opened the door then to let you out after having the tea and stuff like that. And uh, I remember going, I, I can't go out. Like, I was so afraid, you know. But when I got out into the landing, like, everybody knew me because they would have known me from town and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And it was grand, you know. Um, but, you you know, I, I don't know. Like, it was just, I think I was so young and I was so sick that a lot of it just kind of went over my head, you know, that way. I don't think it really hit me. And in the sentencing, like the, the judge, it just didn't take in, he or she, they just didn't take in the fact you were a child. Well, in fairness, you know, when I look back now and I will say, um, they did sentence, send me, sorry, to kill mine. And um, I escaped from kill mine. Like, as I said, just that wildness, that mm. madness, you know. Um, and when years ago, like when you went to these kind of places, like they didn't detox you or medicate you. And I did, I know now today, you know, the more I've learned about addiction in those withdrawals, I'm just like crazy to get, you know, like all I, I'm, it's like a magnetic pull for me to go get that again. And that's all it was. And that was, that was apparently my chance and I blew it. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. so I will say mm -hmm. that's it in fairness to them, you know, that kind of way. And it wasn't back then. It really wasn't like it is today, you know, but Rebecca, when I think back and I look back on it and I know what I know today, uh, that sentence saved my life. Mm. It really saved my life. So I think even back then God had his hand on me, you know, that kind of a way. Like, and I often say that, you know, normal people wouldn't say that the jail saved their life, but it really did. Um, so it, it kind of... Uh, it, it just gave me that break away from the madness. I, I wouldn't have said I, I, I would have got another year with the rate at the rate that I was really? going and with the people that I was with, you know, that way. I, it was a really, really dangerous life that I was living.
You would have been dead, would you? Yeah, I would say so because I was so young and vulnerable, something would have happened to me, you know. And then how, when you got out at the time, how many years did you do in the end? I done the year and a half, the 18 months in the end. So I lit, I thrived in prison. Like mm. I really, I done me leave and cert. I done loads of courses. I done, at the time there was like these Goshka awards and stuff like that. Yeah. I done all that. Do you remember <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I done one of them for clean urines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I remember them. Jesus, yeah. mad actually. Yeah. And did you get off the heroin in jail? Yeah, I got mm. off it in prison because um, Rebecca Dion, only like um the only way that you could take it in prison is intravenously and I just wouldn't do it you know um, <clears throat> it was just like you know you know yourself what would have happened using in there you know and uh I remember I remember the detox was horrific like absolutely horrific because I was coming off everything you know absolutely and because of the way I was, like, I was taking really large amounts of heroin, you know, and I didn't really realise and I didn't know the extent of my addiction um, and my illness itself, you know, that way until I went in there. I remember I, I had detoxed and the man who ran the gym really looked after me. I was kind of like, and I remember him saying, come on in and do a little bit of separo because he was trying to, they used to be trying to take me out of my shell because yeah. they knew I was there for, I would have been, like back then, 18 months was a long period of time because it was like a revolving door, you know, like so, um, I mean, I think even, you know, there was, there was women that done really serious crimes that got out after nine months and I'd be still there, you know, that kind Gosh. of a way. And, um, and I think for that age, 18 months is an eternity, yeah. you know, yeah, that kind absolutely. of way. Yeah, yeah. And then when you got out then, and what did you, what was next for you? So um, when I was in prison, in the time that I was in prison, because I was such an addict, like I found running and I found fitness. And um, so I became really obsessive about all them. And uh, I decided I wanted to do a fitness course. And you had, the, you had this thing called Pathways. So it's for when you come out of prison. Like I had to go to Pathways to finish another part. Uh, I was still, I think, doing some course that I was doing and I was continuing on in Pathways. And then Pathways helped me go to college. Okay. Yeah, so it was great. You know, and they were very, very supportive um, and I think funding and stuff like that as well. I like got help with all that. And what about your mum and dad at that point? What did, you know, what was that relationship God like? loved them, you know, when I think about it, really God loved them. Um, like, because the, they were just, they weren't, they were old fashioned. Like they just weren't, they weren't able for it. They weren't used to it. And because I never felt a part of, I, I never really, I don't think bonded with them. And they just didn't know what, I think they must have probably thought, like, what did we do? And they didn't do anything, you know, it, it, it was, it was me. It was all within me. When I'm, when I'm like that and I'm, you know, as we call it, untreated in addiction, I'll keep everyone away from me. You know, I, I haven't got the capability to love anybody, mm. you know. That's really bad, isn't it? It's really yeah. sad. Like, it's really, really Very sad. Lonely. And then at what point then did you come to Cyprus? Um, so I had, I, 
I think I, that that was before I actually went to college. It was during oh, really? that, yeah, it was mm. during that uh, summer period. Yeah. It was before I went to college that I went to Cyprus, yeah. You and Janine came yeah. over. And I don't even know where we, we met or did I talk to Janine before she came over? I don't know where it, where yeah. it came from. I think it's, if I remember, I spoke to Janine before she came over and Paul and I were living there already and then you guys rocked up and then (laughs) we just clicked we just clicked and then you were working in that bar (laughs) up the top there um and we just look like we yeah. I, I was like a long timer over there yeah. um, and I was very established and I had yeah. my friends and they had businesses over there and we just kind of I think we just took you in because yeah. we just wanted to take <laughs> you in and just mind you and everything yeah. like that um, but I know you were having issues over there that we yeah. weren't we were probably privy to yeah. because as I said to you at the top of this was that the the, the in my life, there's two people that I yeah. think about and we haven't seen, we haven't yeah. sat in the same room in 20 years. No, no. 20 years. And you, like you were one person who's always on my mind. Like you've yeah. been always on my mind. And um, so I think we just took you in. Um, but there was issues there as well. Uh, yeah, huge. You know, as I said to you, Rebecca, when I used to stop one thing, if I put down like one substance, another thing would come up and then I'd put that down and another thing would come up and another thing. And each of them was equally as torturous. Like I really never got a break from it. So if I was trying to like, you know, I was always trying to, stop like because I I did when I take something I take it to the extremity so I destroy myself when I take something so I was always trying to stop and trying to stop but if I was trying to stop my mind run over and I'd have to go into something else and I wouldn't even notice and that would have been like the eating disorder and the drink and then I'd fall in love I don't know yeah yeah, yeah. hilarious like that was the biggest worry I think because like you come down to the pub or come down to the to the and you were like I'm in love and I was like okay where, one where, is, where does he come from two who is he and you were you were like he's, he's on holidays here was his brother with him or was his friend with him I think it was like his man and dad yeah they came down dad. to the pub wasn't yeah, it or something like that he came down I think on his own yeah and I thought he looked like Prince William he was like <laughs> I was hilarious and you were like you were ready to he was uh, Russian yeah he was Russian and he hadn't got a word of English and I hadn't got a word of Russian I think he used to say to me Yati Value Blue he told me look that means I love you okay. oh my god <laughs> And we were watching this all unfold in front of us. And I was like, oh, shit, what are we got to do here? Like, you know, and you were really and truly yeah. in love with him. Oh, well, you know what my sponsor calls it? Yeah. She calls it the two-legged drink. Right. It's a two-legged drink. That's what she calls okay, it. Okay, I get it. And it, the two-legged drink means I'll just get a buzz off him. Yeah. While I'm trying to, I don't mean that in it. Like, know. You know, it's, it's. I didn't, I don't even realise I'm doing it, you know. Mm. And it, it's just like, it's that vibe, that mm. vibe that you're trying to feel. And you think like, oh, this is it. He's going to fix me. I was going to move to Russia. You were? <laughs> yeah. You were. And we were like, there's rich Russians and then there's poor Russians. I was like, is he, I, he better be a rich Russian. Russian, do you know what he's in the Ionapa in a five star hotel? So we thought he was a rich Russian, but um, we were like so worried. But then that didn't happen. Thank God. Thank God you're, you're still here with us. Like, and then you like, I we'd great times, we'd yeah. really great times yeah. over there. And it was very sad to see yeah. you leave when you did leave us. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And um, when you came home from there, what happened then? So when I came home from there, funnily enough. That would have been when I met my son's father then when mm-hmm. I came home. And uh, 
I would have been then just gone heavy into drinking then, you know, like I didn't even know, like, you know, but I always remember thinking, I remember actually it was the wine, Rebecca, you know, the wine, our first date when he, he asked me out. And I remember thinking the usual, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I can't, can't let me say, do you know what I mean? And I just felt so horrible. And I remember he was like, have a glass of wine. I never drank wine before. Never. It was alien to me, you know, like I'm, I'm cool. Yeah, I know. We never drank it. <laughs> wine. Yeah. And, uh, and he was kind of like, he was, he was a real like, you know, man about town. He was gorgeous. Mm. Like, I mean, drop dead gorgeous. And uh, like all the women were mad about him. And he was, you know, he real charisma and everything. And he was, he had worked in Finlayers as a wine specialist okay. and everything as a sommelier. And he, he was all mad about the wine. So and anyway, I drink this glass of wine that he's pushing on me because I'm just like with me nerves, yeah. lashing this back on my rim wands and Renly. Next minute I go into the toilet and all that stuff is gone. All the insecurities are gone, all of that, and and I'm lit up, and I think the world is grand. And you know what? I always speak about it, and I say it in in places. You know, it was like liquid heroin. Really, it was just like liquid heroin. And I remember, like uh, in in me in me mas then it was just a bit. It was like a, a day, or was it probably the next day after the date? Going, I'm gonna go up and get a bottle of wine, and I drank it in the bedroom. Like, that's what I'm like. Like, yeah. I just, if I find something that'll, you know, like give me any type of ease from how I feel, I'll be gone. Like, you know, and, and you're not getting, you know, I, I, I have a friend and my friend, I look very Monique, you know, and uh, I said to her the other day, like, we were real funny. We've been through so much together and I love her, you know, and she, I said, Monique, how did you ever get to drink off me? She said, we didn't, it gave you up. Oh, really? <laughs> That's in the end, yeah, in the end. And then you went on and had a relationship with him, did you? Yeah, that was a 10-year relationship, you know, that we had. And uh, unfortunately, he was murdered. That would have been 12 years ago now, nearly 13 years ago. Yeah. So um, that was my first... um, you know, real kind of, you know, my nan had died and stuff. My nanny died when I was in prison and I was really close to her and I grieved like, you know, but this was like another level of grief because I was grieving for my child. You know, I, 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 I couldn't believe like I had a dad my whole life and then and my little boy was never going to have that now you know um, and it was just that really and I remember see, just after John was killed you know and he used to be saying where's me daddy you know where's me daddy he used to call him daddy he was three and a half just mm-hmm. and um and it was really sad, like really, really sad. I have to say, you know, uh, it was, it was, it was a really strange, really, really strange time for me, you know. And I think every time with each different trauma, a piece of me was taken each time, you know. And this time it was a huge, you know, it was a huge chunk, and it took me a really long time to kind of. I, I actually don't know if with any of these I ever recovered until this three years now. You know, I feel like this three last three years I have recovered. You know, I definitely have recovered, you know, but um, prior to that, I, I, I was never I was never myself. <laughs> I don't know whether I ever yeah, was, yeah. you know. 
And in the 10 years that you had together, were they good years? Like, were you good? They were, no, no, I was never. And you know what, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't like to take his inventory or anything like that. But we were both as mad as each other, which wasn't a good combination. (laughs) But we were mad about each other, you know, like I was obsessively, as you know, I can get mad about man. And he would have been like that with me as well, you know, and I, and it was, it was a really kind of, chaotic relationship you know that way but I do know he was the love of my life anyway that's the one thing that I know and I know that I've never met anybody really since then you know um not that I I I know uh, it's not that I'm shutting myself off or that I ever had but I just know that that was uh, the, the big love of my life anyway and what was it like for you then when you did have James? Like, what was that yeah. like? Do you know what, Rebecca? It was the, the happiest, happiest time of my life. For once in my life, I had a break from that internal void, you know, and I didn't I didn't look externally for something, you know. I, I it was the first real feeling of like, you know, true, true love, you know, it was unbelievable. I I remember and cause I, I was often afraid, you know, because I was so kind of I was so cut off and I knew I was cut off emotionally, you know, I was very cut off emotionally until I met John. I, I had never bonded with anybody. John was my first um bond with somebody you know and and he really got me and he loved me madness you know mm. and he was the first person to ever tell me you know that yeah, yeah he thought I was beautiful and and he thought I was intelligent and stuff like that and he used to tell me that you know and uh I remember you know kind of after that then this with James it was like it was a different it was a different love like a completely different love and I uh, I breastfed and I just I was obsessive about having organic food and you know all this and I used to bring him to mother and toddler groups and all up in Renle and Rat Mines and and I loved it I loved it I, I remember I was in fantasy land you know that mm. kind of a way <laughs> just in a bubble yeah 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 yeah, definitely. And when then um, John died, mm. what was that like then? I know you touched on it a little bit, but what happens next with you? And do you go back down uh, into Rebecca, the hole? You know, I, seriously, it was, I remember it was really bad. Like I was really, really bad. And I, I, I do know that I went a little bit insane, you know, in the grief, like I was really, really bad. And I, I you know, what I'll do is I'll go into one or the other, the eating disorder or the, the addiction, you know, like the substance. But this time I went into the two together. Okay. So I, I wasn't eating and I was drinking bottles of wine, you know, and I, I, and I, I remember somebody giving me a sleeping tablet because like I hadn't slept in days. I couldn't sleep. And, um, I, I took the sleeping tablet and I didn't go to sleep that night. And my friend came and she said, I'm just going to take James out for you. For It was two weeks after John had died. And I'm just going to take James out for you and let you have a bath and get yourself together, clean the house and do whatever. And I said, yeah, you know, and you know, when your mind is so chaotic and I filled the bath and I got into the bath. And next thing I know, I woke up like nearly underneath the bath. So the sleeping tablet like kicked in when I got into the bath and I remember jumping out of the bath and shaking uncontrollably like and I remember thinking people would would have thought that I killed myself 
Like they would have taught that. And I'm, like, and I remember thinking it was in that moment that I kind of snapped out of it. And I was like, James needs you. Like mm. he needs you, you know, yeah. This has to stop. Like, and I got some sort of like a little bit of a fight, you know, back in me, you know. Um, and throughout this, Rebecca, you know, I was still always personal training. Really? Yeah, but unbelievably so. I was a highly functioning alcoholic you know because it wasn't like the heroin I could really function on it you know um and I was working in a place in Rat Mines and the man who owned it was lovely he was really lovely and it was a really it was a really exclusive it was like 65 euro session but I was brilliant at my job you know when I learn in the big book um I don't know if people would be familiar yeah. with it and um when they describe a, a real deal alcoholic in the big book, um, you're brilliant at your job. Like, we're as kind of driven, you know, in the work thing as we are and everything else, do you know, that way. So when you find something that you really, really like and it takes you away from yourself slightly, you'll be unbelievably good at that certain thing, you know. So with fitness, I don't know what it was. It was just a natural gift, you know, and personal training was a real gift with me you know I think because I was so obsessive about it I knew everything about it I knew everything about the body I knew everything about nutrition and I kind of like I I had this kind of a way of training people as well you know so uh, my boss rang me and he was like we want you back like and I thought because of the circumstances Mm. um you know that he would have been a little bit you know um about taking me back Mm. but no he wanted me back and that really helped me it helped me because, you know, I had a purpose to bring in an income to keep James and the house going and everything, you know what I mean? And it it just, it helped with the fight, you know, that, you know, getting back on my feet and stuff like that. So um, it was just a battle. Like it was just, it, I, I thought, you know, the, the years after John died until I found, um, until I got clean, were just like a battlefield. They were just chaos, you know. It was really, really uh, dark. Do you want to tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, it definitely. Um, you know, it was it was alcohol. Like I was, I was really in the thick of alcoholic drinking and trying to function. And uh, you know, so I would, you know, drink say four bottles of wine. Now, if I if I was drinking four bottles of wine a night, that would be quite normal for me. That was that was what you were looking at. You know what I mean? That'd be that that would be me really holding it together. But like, I didn't know that when I put that one drink in. I couldn't stop, you know. So, you know, I each morning I'd either wake up on the sofa, wake up on the kitchen floor, or wake up in the bathroom or, you know, and I, I didn't know. Um, and I didn't know what was wrong with me because my intention was always just to have that one bottle of wine, if not just one glass, you know. Um, but I didn't know that when I put that in, I set off the craving and, you know, I was gone. You know, I'm I'm you know, rip roaring basically, you know. Uh, And I remember like going into the rooms of AA, um, John wouldn't have been long dead. And, um, you know, I don't know who it was that directed me into the rooms initially. I had met somebody on a night out who was a a counsellor, an addiction counsellor, and they rang me the next day and said, you know, like you're in serious trouble, you know. Um, And and I remember thinking, how can I be a heroin addict 
and an alcoholic. I didn't think you could be the two. Yeah. I really didn't. I thought that, like, I was that unaware. I really thought you were either one or you were another. I didn't think you could be the two together. And I think I remember saying that to that man, you know, mm. I couldn't be because I was a heroin addict and yeah. I'm not anymore. Yeah. Like, as if I was miraculously yeah. fixed from heroin, you know what I mean? And that doesn't happen either. Um so, yeah, I remember going into the rooms of AA and... Uh, and can I ask you before you yeah. go into that, were people calling you out? Were people saying this to you or were people yeah. enabling you? No, you know, I think a lot of the time they were waiting for, you know, me to get better after John. You know, they were waiting for me to pick myself back up. And then I remember it kind of got to... It got to about a year or so later and people were kind of going, hmm, something's still really badly amiss here. And then people started to kind of say stuff and really direct me. And what was happening was I was having, you know, I was going through and I was getting really sick. Like I'd, I, I remember getting mastitis at one stage and it was, I remember going to the doctor and I had all this swelling here and here and it was from all of the lymph glands were swollen from the toxins in the wine and it had given me mastitis like so I was really really sick and the doctor put me on a Librium detox and he was like this is how women get breast cancer you know it is true this way you know you'll have to be really careful and mm. um, and my doctor and Lou was very good. Like he really, really was. I do often think like the poor man, like he's he's in this leafy suburb and yeah. all of a sudden yeah. he has this basket case. <laughs> like, you know, mm. our partners have to be murdered, uh, mm. you know, and and it just it just went on um Rebecca, you know, and, and I remember um then I had a really you know, I had a, a thing I went out on a night out one night and I think because I was so I, I I'd be so unaware and I'd be so kind of like I was just all over the place and then put a drink on top of that mm. you know um and uh you know something really traumatic happened and I um you would have got a lot of post-traumatic stress from that you know um so I kind of, I think with, with all the things, it was nearly like being in a war, you know, coming back from some mm. sort of war and, and and then you're drinking on it, you're drinking on this constantly, you know. Um, and every time I went into the rooms, I didn't, I couldn't understand how, you know, I'd go in there and, you know, it just didn't happen for me the way it happened. What are the rooms? So that would be AA. Okay. Yeah, so that, you that would be alcohol. Tell me about your anonymous. first time. Um, my first time was in Rat Mines, I remember, and um, I remember just shaking. And when I would, if I didn't drink, you know. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care 
a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I swear, Rebecca, you know, I'd be just, my t-shirt, I remember being soaking wet. And I, I remember somebody saying to me, take your jacket off. And I couldn't because my, my t-shirt was so wet, you know, I would be withdrawn. And that would even be with a Librium detox. Like I would have been on Librium to kind of get the time. I, You know, if I got two days sober, I'd make, I made me way down. Uh, my doctor directed me down to this AA meeting and, um, but I remember, and I know now what it was like, I remember my mind racing, just racing in it. And I couldn't really hear what the people were saying. You know, I couldn't really grasp the message that they were trying to get across to me, you know. Um, and unfortunately, like I was in and now for 10 years, I, I didn't get it for 10 years. No, no. And in the 10 years, did you do any, what's the I done, rehab? Yeah, yeah, I done two. I, um, I done a lot of like hospitals since. And, uh, then I would have went to brewery in Limerick, um, down. It was, oh, gee, I, mean, I have to say it was really, really tough, like really tough sister Concilios. Um, and I came out and I'll never forget coming out of there. And I remember feeling like I was on a holiday when I was walking through town. I felt like I was on a holiday because the obsession to drink and use had gone. And I remember looking around Dublin and, and saying, like, God, I never seen that before. Like I, I, I've lived in the, like I've lived here for what, 37 years or something. And I haven't seen mm-hmm. like Trinity College look different. Grafton Street look different. And I remember going up to a meeting that day and saying I feel like I'm on a holiday and they were all wrong laughing like you know and it was that because reality of that situation was Rebecca I haven't been clean since I was 14 Mm -hmm. so I was really like when I actually eventually did totally stop I I really was like I was that I had that arrested development I was like a 14 year old you know trying to cope with life on life's terms like I should say you know um I was really really immature like really immature 
And who was looking after James when that was happening? For sister you? Cream. So she, I have a sister and she's 14 years older than me. God, I'd be, really, I'd be lost without her, you know. Um, and she's another one that always loved me and always believed in me, you know. Um, and she saw what you would have seen and what other people would have seen, you know. And, and she knew, like, and she would have known how much I battled with it, you know. Um, she understood it the way other people wouldn't really. She had a compassion, you know. Um, and I think because she knew me from a really young age, like she always tells people, you know, about me when I was younger mm-hmm. and all. I think she said I always knew there was something amiss, you know, that kind of a way. Like, uh, so she would have took James for me and uh, she was brilliant, you know. She really, really was, yeah. And you just said there about compassion. Do you, do you get compassion from people? Not all the time, you know, mm. because really when I when when I look at my life, you know, I always say on paper I look like an absolute nightmare, Rebecca. On paper I you know, um nobody would go near me if they looked at, you know, um and as you know I am in a book, you know, um mm. and that was hence the name change, you know, and I could I still to this day I can't get my name out of that and um that in itself doesn't look good either, you know, that way, like, um, but people who know me know, you know, and that, that matters to me more. And, and, you know, um, I love, as you know, I'm a Christian now and, you know, I always, I, I'll never ever forget. I remember the woman who used to, she used to keep coming to me house in the end. I, when I was totally rock bottom, I came out of that rehab and, uh, unfortunately it was really mad. The eating disorder came back and I always say I learned from that then, you know, I don't get long out of one before I'm into the other because the one gets really torturous and then I'm looking for something else. And, uh, I drank again. And when I drank again, it was catastrophic like each each relapse was a million times worse than the next but this that last relapse was I mean chaotic like it when and I remember this little woman uh, she used to follow me around all the meetings she was like she was 60 and uh, she was chronic alcoholic back in the day and she used to follow me around the meetings and she used to say to me yeah chronic yeah absolutely chronic yeah going to die yeah going to die and here I used to be just leave me alone I couldn't be how can I be I'm only 30 you know whatever and um I remember she rang me on the phone and I said to her, I drank again. And she said, she told me four things that were going to happen. And all of them happened. You know, she told me that I was going to lose James. I was going to lose me mind. And I was going to, what else was it? Lose me house. And, and I was going to be killed. Either I was going to die. I was going to die. And at the end of that eight month relapse, I was nearly murdered in my flat, you know. And I remember thinking, she was right. She was right about everything. Like she knew, she knew this disease, like she knew it inside out. And and from from her saying that to me that day, I really, really knew and saw the grave nature of what I suffer from, you know, really, really kind of was was woke up to it all you know what is it like when you lose your mind like oh Rebecca I I tell you there's been a couple of 
times along along where I've totally lost my mind. Um, one was when I was in the accident. Um, I don't really want to talk yeah, too much okay. about that, you know. Um, but it, um. I lost my mind after that and I was in this deep post-traumatic stress and I remember when you lose your mind Rebecca like you trying to I remember the second time that I lost my mind trying to pull a thought together like trying to you know think of something even one rational thing and you can't you can't like you're just you know when people say that rocking back and forward like you're just in oblivion and really the only thing that your mind is telling you is you know just die you're, you're not worth anything you know um I remember you my my mind used to constantly say you know your son is better off without you He's better off without you. He's better off with Karina. Look what you're doing. You're a scumbag. You're this. You're a bad mother. Although it just constantly. Um, I remember the last, the last rehab that I got to was Sister Concilio's in a tie. Kim, we were in a tie, and I walked in there, and I'll never ever forget it as long as I live. I'd just been beaten to a pulp, and I had this side of my face bashed in. There was a big scar down here with stitches in it. And the Norse Eileen was like, you wouldn't treat a dog like this. You wouldn't treat a dog like this, you know. Um, and I remember going into the sitting room and I, I couldn't even think, you know, I couldn't. She gave me painkillers, she gave me Librium and I got no relief from anything. And I remember knowing in that moment, what am I going to do? Like, I could, you know, I thought if I had took that tablet, you know, I'd be able to stop shaking or I'd be able to maybe think or I'd be able to, and I I couldn't, you know. And um, I remember my mind saying to me, just kill yourself tonight. Just kill yourself tonight. Just end this all. Look at what you've done. This is the way, uh, uh, losing your mind, this is what it's like. This is what the tape is like when you lose your mind, you know. And it was just like, it was going, going and going and it was getting louder and louder and louder. And I remember jumping up off that sofa and running down the hall. Uh, I wanted to make a phone call. I was standing at the thing. I wanted to make a phone call. I think I had said to somebody, I want to make a phone call. And that phone call, like, I don't really like saying it like this because my mind was gone. And this is just how I'm describing. This is not me rationally. I would never do this on my child rationally. But I remember saying, I'll just ring James and tell him that I love him before I die because my mind is telling me you know you're better off and and just do it and you know it's and it's nothing rational there's no rationality in it and there was this girl on the phone and I remember just going like I couldn't even wait you know when you've you've no patience and you've no and I, I I hadn't even I was too weak I couldn't even kneel down or I couldn't even sit and I remember just jumping up and running into the oratory there was a little oratory at the reception and I remember just dropping to my knees and roaring, crying and looking up at the cross and just saying, God, please, please. And I remember just constantly screaming, me little boy, me little boy. And he was 11, but that's what I always called him. And, and um, I was rocking back and forward in there for a really long time. And I was, I must have been just sobbing uncontrollably. And I remember people kind of coming to the door, but just closing the door back and just letting me, you know, um, and I remember like that was the morning that I, I went through that 
in into that center in the morning time and I came out of that hour retreat and it was tea time you know so I must have been in there for hours but I remember going in for the tea and sitting down and I could kind of talk like you know a, a girl says to me you know where are you from and are you all right and are you going to go down for your medication and I could talk to her you know and I remember just walking and I knew something had happened you know, and I just knew something had happened, Rebecca, and uh, it was like God took that from me. He definitely took suicide thing from me and he definitely took, you know, some sort of a thing. He filled me with something that night. He filled me with something that night. And I remember going on a walk around that rehab and looking up at the sky and saying, I don't know what this is, but I want to hold on to it. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes. And I remember in that rehab, like I had been in the one the year before and I remember just going, right, I know this program. I'm going to just do this. I'm going to do it. I don't, you know, I don't care. I'm just going to do this. And um, I just done everything. I just gave it me all, you know, I really, really gave it me all. And I remember just knowing that I'm going to go back, I'm going to get a sponsor. I had a game plan and I really had a a fight and a drive. And I I really was like, I'm not letting this beat me again. I'm not letting this take everything from me again, you know? (laughs) It's just just everything that, like, me and everyone else probably worried about. Yeah. And hearing you say it is, like, powerful. It's really... Yeah. It's, yeah. It's hitting me hard. Like, yeah. do you say it? Yeah. Um, you talked about earlier on, you talked about your steps. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about yeah. your steps and how yeah. that works? Yeah. Um, so when I would have went back into, into the rooms then and I got a sponsor and I knew this was what they all done to get well. And I knew I used to, I always talk about it. You know, I remember I used to look at all the women in the meetings, you know, and how they held themselves and how they spoke. And I remember them speaking and they'd be talking about what it was like, you know, and it wasn't what they're like now. Do you know what I mean? And I remember thinking like, you know, I want to be like that. Do you know what I mean? I want to want to have a nice handbag and not be sweating and, you know, that kind of way. And and I remember this one particular woman, you know, and uh, I kept thinking of her when I was in rehab because I used to love hearing her share and, and I loved her peace and I loved the way she was. She just had this aura, this glow. And I asked, her to bring me through the steps when I got home I nearly put her in a headlock outside of me you know <laughs> and we were like worlds apart like I mean worlds apart like she was um she I don't want to really like get of into course, too much yeah, you know no, that yeah, kind of, of course, way yeah, like yeah, I don't want to break anyone's anonymity yeah, yeah, in yeah, any yeah. way mm. but she was an absolute lady like she really really was and she taught me so much like she taught me so much but like I remember I'd be telling her things and I remember like God love her like she'd be just in shock you know and and I think it kind of like at times like it would have been it would have been quite sad for her as well do you know that way like because you have to you have to really um get go deep like go really deep in it in especially in your fourth step you know um so there's stuff really traumatic stuff there you know um 
but she done an amazing job. She really done an amazing job. And I've gone on now since then and worked with different women at different times, you know, and each woman has taught me something new, you know. Um, but then I also do my church as well, as you know. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm going to talk about yeah. that because, you know, I want to talk about that. Um, just on the fourth step, you just... It's, it's shame. Talk yeah. a little bit about shame. Yeah, it's all like, you know... Um, it's a, it's a, just a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself. Like, so it really just gets rid of all that junk that we hold on to, you know, all of the, the secrets and all of the things that we swore that we'd never tell anybody, you know. Um, and um, once you get rid of that, Rebecca, you, you like, you know, allow the spirit to come in. You know, because until then, as I said to you, you know, when you speak to people that are full of all that, they're full of all that um, shame and guilt and they're beating themselves up. It's a, you can't really get through to them, you know, because they're so guarded, you know, and that's the way I would have been. I would have been so guarded Um I really, really held everyone at arm's length because I didn't really want them to ever know anything about me. And I really thought as well, I funnily enough, I think my 10 years in and out of them rooms before this was because, excuse me, was because I didn't want anyone to know. I wanted to keep all this to myself. You know, I remember thinking when people would be sharing about all of that stuff, I was, I remember always thinking, I could never tell anyone. Mm-hmm. I could never tell anybody, you know. Uh, and and I, I and I, you know what? When I really got down and I did do it in the end, you know what? I got that desperate in the end that I would have done anything to stay away from it, you know, anything that would have kept me away from going back to that life, I'd have done it. If you'd have told me, like, Rebecca, you know, you're going to have to, you know, stand on your head for a year, I'd have done it just to stay away, you know, because it had been that chaotic and that painful that I couldn't go back there, you know. And something that I talked about with Ruth previously um, was that she had to say goodbye to people. But in your case, were you going to... Oh no, you're wrong. Were you? This is a soul. Like mm. I really was. I know that sounds funny to anybody, but I was always like that. I was always really like that. You know, um, it would have been kind of like me. Me sitting room was where I drank and where I done. And you know what? It was really funny. Like a lot of people, not till really the very end, would have said, you know, because I trained and I done and I was, I was you know clever in regards to like nutrition and training so I counteracted things all the time and I remember like doing research when I was like the total like you know you know in the tick of it with the with the drinking and I remember doing research and doing this she was a New York nutritionist and she was a realist and she made sure that you could drink while you were doing this and it was like it was all about counteracting I don't know all this kind of stuff and then I'd be you know spirulina or do anything like I would run miles or I do this or I do that anything not to kind of have to stop what mm. I did. I wasn't letting go of, of that substance, you know, because that was the only kind of comfort I had. Mm. Mm. And then, as we said, that 
Was it in the moment that you were in that or uh, or just, what's it called nursery? Can oratory? Oratory. Yeah, I know that's yeah, terrible. Yeah. Was it in that moment that you found God, and yeah. did that continue? Yeah. Um. But when I look back, um, Rebecca, funnily enough, um, I was always it was always that you you know. Th- I always, always cried out to God. Um, and I do remember feeling his presence when I was in prison, when I was detoxing in prison. I remember feeling something. And I know now that that was God because I felt that again, obviously, you know. Um, but I didn't know that back then, you know. Um, and, you know, so it, when when the presence of God came in and, and I felt that peace and that love, I remember it was really funny when I was down there in the Thai and um, you'd have these girls and they were, they'd look after the group. And I remember going in, they were doing the rosary and um, I was, I was really serious about kind of, I, I wanted to keep going back in and talking to God and that oratory because of that peace that I got. And because I knew something had happened in there and I remember they were doing the rosary and I don't mean to sound off, mm. but it, it was like, they, you know, I could say like they were herding cattle yeah. and I was like, I don't mean that in a, you know, know. thing mm. way, uh, but, but it was like, I, I was like, Celia, I said, I have to go in. I have to go back into the oratory. So when they're doing the rosary, can I go in and talk to God? And I remember I looked at me going, oh, her mind is still gone. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know? um, and she gave me that grace. So when they used to go in there, I'd go down and, and, you know, like I was kind of having that little bit of, it, it just, I just wanted to keep that connection and I didn't even know anything about it. It was just that, that, that peace and that solace that I found like I didn't want to lose it you know that way because I think in my life I'd say that time in prison I remember losing that peace and I didn't want to lose that again um so it was basically that was it and then did you find a church and find a community or how did it work but you know what was really funny was actually talk about God actually was there the whole time because when I was rock bottom and my flat was like it was literally like a squat you know and the the door was broken and it was really really bad like you know and um this woman used to keep knocking up to the flat and she was from the church she was from St Mark's church Mm. her name was Katie and uh and she, she was, she was like me, like she was, she was well out, she was back before she was saved, like, mm. and so she, it was like God knew who to use because she was well able to come into the flat mm. and she was well able to, and uh, I remember coming into the flat one day and she thought I was actually getting broken into because I was actually coming in, leaving me uh, handbag on the balcony going in and leaving the front door open and going into bed and just, you know, going to sleep and woke up the next morning, just went straight to get the wine. And I didn't, the door and the handbag were still, one was open and the other was out. And and, uh, I remember Katie coming in and and, uh, I was gone. Like I was really insane at that time. And and, uh, she said to me, will you give your life to the Lord? You know, and I remember saying to her, Katie, even that won't stop me. Because anything that I had tried, it stopped. And this is real poignant. She said to me in that moment, she said, he'll kill the old you. God will kill the old you. And I said, right, go on then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a real thing like that. But I do remember in that moment, closing my eyes and hoping 
And I remember saying, he's mad about you. He loves you. He's mad about you, about God, right? And I remember thinking, you know, you know, why would he, why would he, you know, the way and everything that was gone. And I gave me life to the Lord that day. And two days, I think, or a day later, I was nearly murdered in the flat. And I got to the treatment centre straight after that and found God in the oratory straight after this. So it was all a... It was, it was, it was, you know, it was all predestined, I think, by God, you know, and, and it really, it took for that, it took for all of that for me never to go back there, you know. And is she still in your life? Yeah, I love her. I oh, love really? her. Yeah, yeah, I love her. I um, I have this kind of like she calls me our spiritual daughter, you know. Yeah, yeah. So and and she couldn't. I think she couldn't believe when I came out of rehab. I said, Katie, I was telling her everything I said, and and she was roaring laughing when I was telling her about the rosary and going into God. Yeah. She was roaring laughing, uh, you know, because. Uh, she knew, she definitely knew that something had happened, you yeah. know. And I said to her, Katie, I got a Bible and I found Psalm 18 and, and she was like, she couldn't believe it. Like I was reading the Bible. So the veil had been lifted and I understood Psalm 18. And in Psalm 18 says, I delivered you from a violent man and I stood you on the rock of salvation, you know. And uh, it says the ropes of death entangled you. And that Sam spoke to me, like it just really, really spoke to me. Um, and I always, I always think that that's like, it's, it's the Sam of David, you know, when he's he, he, like, he's, you know, in battle and stuff like that. And that's what I was in. And addiction was a total battle, you know. Hello. It's mad because um, a few of my friends would know that I'm quite religious. And then when people meet me, they, they're like, how are you religious? How are you in any way religious? And I, I was like... <laughs> Just because I say fuck a lot or I just, know. you know, because I yeah. course a lot or did I, yeah. especially people like in, not in, from Ireland in, yeah. in the UK. Um, and my friends be like to me, you're such a holy Joe sometimes. But I do feel personally, we'll get a little bit into it. And Paul, I know, doesn't like me getting into it. But um, I do feel like God does save. I oh, That's how I feel about yeah. it. And you know what? I, I always, I, you know, I did feel him as well after John died, you know, and... Um, I, I, do you know what it always says? Like you won't, you won't blow out a dimly lit light, you know. So if your light is going out, you won't blow it out. He'll, he'll revive that light, you know. He, he, and he, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds, you know. And that's what I, I feel, you know. Like people who are, you know, it's brokenhearted and crushed in spirit, and that's what I was. I always speak about my addiction, my powerlessness as being brokenhearted. Because I was broken hearted that I couldn't stop Rebecca. I was absolutely broken hearted. I thought, you know, do I not love my son enough to be able to stop this? And I didn't know that it was bigger than me. You know, it was bigger than me and nothing that I'd done could conquer that, you know. And God is the only one who who could take that away, you know. My power can't do it. Your power can't do it. No, nowhere, because believe me, I'd been everywhere throughout the years. Like I'd been hospitals, psychiatric wards, prisons. I'd been to rehabs. Nothing conquered my addiction until God came in, you know. What do you say to people who don't believe that? Um, you know, like I, I let people be, you know, I really do. I let people be 
because God is love and I love everybody. I genuinely do. You know, God is love. And do you know what's really funny, Rebecca? Did you know that when we were in Cyprus, I got love tattooed on you the back did? of my You did? Oh my God. Yeah. And I'm just remembering yeah. that now. Yeah. And, and I always speak <gasps> about it. Yeah. And, and, and that's all that God is. And all God asks me to do is pour love on people. So whether you believe or you don't believe, I love you regardless. And Jesus loves you regardless. Like that's the, the bottom line, you know. Um, you know, he, he, he came here uh, not to save the godly, he came to save the sinners. Mm. You know, like yeah. uh, when you say save the wretch like me, like I was a wretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just say, God, I'd say I had some crack running after me. <laughs> and it's because I do think even then, in Cyprus, you loved everybody. You just yeah. loved. You just that's yeah. the thing about you. You just had yeah. this love. Yeah. Um and I do like yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. that's why we connected so much because I do feel like I, I feel now as well, and I said this before a different podcast, um, with a girl who is a firm believer in God. And I did say that we do have people and this is nothing against it because I've done it myself, like, you know, the sea swimming and, yeah. you know, going out to to be back with nature because yeah. they're trying to find something. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I in my head I'm like Yeah. God's there. Yeah. He's all around us. He's, He's all there, around us. You know? Um, mm. He's all around us. And you know what I always say to people like, um, do you know what? If you came from what I came from and you had the mind that I have and then you got saved like this, you know, I I would be unbelievably selfish if I didn't tell you about Jesus. Like I really, really would, you know, um, there's a pastor who speaks about it and he says, you know, he had this dream, like God comes to us in dreams and he had this dream that when he was at the gates of heaven, you know, and, and it was, it was, um, you know, where, where we're being kind of like spoke to by God and he turned around and his friend said to him, why didn't you tell me? Like, why didn't you tell me, you know? Um, and it's just that, you know, but there is a huge revival. There's a huge revival since the lockdown, you know, and, uh, you know, I found a lovely pastor, Life Changers Church in America, and I have mm. all my friends, all of them, you know, yeah. on Twitter. And, uh, you know, he speaks about that, you know, the revival. And he, he, um, he kind of like the lockdown hit the churches hit more homes in the lockdown they closed the churches but we got to our home more yeah. so then you know and onto the internet a lot more yeah because I did find comfort and again I don't think many people would believe it but I did find comfort because St. Francis down in Prizewood went onto the webcam ah uh, yeah and I, I would come on the trade and movie there and Paul came in one day and he was like what are you what are you watching and I was like oh I love him and he's, he's a brother he's not a father yeah and he just has the chats and he plays a few songs and, and I was like I, I just find yeah. good comfort in that I find peace in it Rebecca that reminds me like when I was in prison so on a Sunday morning father Healy used to come in on a Sunday morning right and I used to help him set up the altar on the top of the land and it was always when I think about it now and I used to say father Healy do you think that the nuns would let me join the convent because like I'd have a bad week and I'd want to get out I think he used to be you know getting the the laugh with me and he used to say oh no go out and ask them you know yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) 
it's mad, but it's mad how it, it, it is a full circle yeah. moment in your life. Yeah. Now tell me about the personal training now, you're flying. Yes, yeah, yes. Rebecca. Do you know what I think it, it always was? Like obviously the addiction always got in the way and and my mind always got in the way. So I never believed, it, you know, that I actually was as good as I was or I had what I had or I never you know, like nurtured the gift or, you know, I, I never even really properly put myself out there, you know, cause I, I, you know, I didn't, I always felt less than, you know, and um, so I got saved and then I, I, you know, done the work on myself and everything. And I just, I remember the last woman, she said to me, you know, like, you're actually very intelligent. Why have you never, you know, kind of nurtured this or gone and done? She's like, why don't you just open your own business? Because I'd be doing like little classes here and there and, you know, training people in my house and everything. And I remember just going down and finding out about this back to work enterprise scheme and going on and doing the, getting accepted for doing the business course. I'm really loving that course. Like I I love learning and I love courses and stuff and I done that business course and I got all fired up and I, I opened up Paloma Fit and um, that like I literally opened the doors and I didn't even get time to breathe I was just packed out you know because mm. uh, I have this lovely way of training that lightweight high rep system mm. but I also kind of like just have a way about it like the classes flow mm. uh, I always listen to a podcast Joe Rogan's podcast mm. and he says like if the class doesn't flow, you're in trouble, you know? And mm. I think that's the beauty of my training is it always flows. Mm. Like there's a lovely flow to it, you know? Um, so yeah, there's the women that love it, you know, Erin, uh, our mom and mm. all they, Margaret loves me training and, uh, you know, meeting, meeting, um, Margaret and Erin back, I opened the business and they came in, they had met me in the lives in the lockdown, uh, Margaret just encountered my training through the lives and and uh, she gave me great confidence, you know, really. Like I often say, I think that's where Connor gets it from, you know, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know. Mm-hmm. And she was great. She like really helped with my self-esteem when I was forced, like getting into the business. She helped me to believe in myself, you know. I think because she loved me training so much and I was just like... Uh, I think God puts people like that in your mm. path, like, you know. Mm. Definitely. I yeah. Because like, I do think that, again, Paul, but this Paul, he's just not religiously, he just, just say it to me, stuff to me, but I just think God put an awful lot of things and put the podcast yeah. into my life yeah. that I get to meet these amazing people. Yeah. It's crazy. Can I ask you now, are you still a Lone Ranger? Yes, I am indeed. And you know what? I um it it just got to a stage where now I'm just gonna wait for a Christian husband. Like that's <laughs> basically it. That's what I just decided. Yeah. I, I decided that, you know, um I just um, I I got quite serious about everything in in the end, you know, mm. because even with with the likes of relationships, I get into a lot of pain with that as well. And I just said, you know what? I just want to focus one hundred and ten percent on my son, my home, the business, and stuff like that. And if God has a man for me, mm. I mean, he'll be the best man. So be worth the wait, you know that way. So that's what I decided to do on that. And do you know what? It's been my happiest time. Mm. It's been my happy happiest time you know I've seen it as I said yeah. to you and I reached out to you and I yeah. said this at the start like 
I just like throughout this whole thing, like I, I, I can't even talk about you because I'm just so happy for you. I'm just yeah. so I can see it. And you yeah. haven't changed. You, you haven't changed at all. Like, and <laughs> I just I'm so happy to see you doing so well um tell me about James how is he he's great yeah he's in St David's it's really funny because that's where I would have went to school in our town as well and uh he's brilliant with art very good with art and uh Karina would have nurtured that in him because she's uh an interior designer she's an artist so she would have like taught him how to draw and stuff like that there was a phase where he was mad into the graffiti and stuff like that you know and doing things so he goes through little phases but he's lovely he's really lovely like he's you know what I'll I'll never forget John where he is because he's the image of his dad yeah and it's really funny like he's he's every mannerism of him and everything you know he'd be like he eats like him he sits like him and he's you know he's so he's really like looking at him you know do you talk to John now do you talk to him in your in, in true God or do you, that you know do you know what I know I'm going to meet him again that's mm. the lovely thing about what I know about God is that I'm going to meet him again so that's a really lovely thing about it you know and uh you know, I, I I think, you know, I talk to God and it's God who will interpret there, you know. Uh, and I know God, John, is at peace, mm. you know, because, you know, uh, it, I know it wasn't, you know, it wasn't his time and stuff like that. But I know now, do you ever feel like somebody's at peace? Mm. And he's definitely in heaven, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're going to meet again. <laughs> and then what does the future hold for you? Where are you? So where I'm at right now is real exciting because um, I'm doing another course now and uh, it's a train the trainer course a QQI level six. So I'm I'm in the middle of doing a project now to create my own fitness course to be able to teach you. And really my dream with that is, um, you know, like I was a delinquent and I want to do that. I want to teach um kids that are struggling or kids that are in trouble or kids like I mean if they've just come out of Town, do you know to catch mm-hmm. them then and teach them about fitness because in the reality of all what I spoke about tonight uh, the one cog that saved me all through this was fitness mm-hmm. you know it was where I always got my fight back and where I always kind of it really helped me to survive you know and it gave me some purpose in life and it gave me the will to live even at times do you know that way and and um I'd love to pass on that to, to you know to and you know I really just want to go into I don't really have a thing of making I'm not you know money is not my king mm. Jesus is my king you know and really all I want to do is you know obviously yeah I would love to get security for me and James but really the the thing that I want to do is you know help others and and not leave the fitness industry without having made me mark and and I think really the the one mark that you'd make is leaving this fitness course and then passing it on for other people to teach them because I have this way of teaching that I would like to pass on you know yeah and on that note, Paloma, we leave it there. Yeah. Thank you Thank so you, much. Thank, Thank you. you. I don't, people are going to be like, oh my God, she's in love with her, but I am in love with you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm in love with you yeah, too. it's, it's yeah. just like, I'm just so happy that we've reconnected like this. Brilliant. And I know that loads of people are going to get something from this. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.